This is John Summerall, head football coach at Troy. You're listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Guys, we are finally at kickoff time as a Thursday night starts the Sunbelt Conference. But more importantly, depth charts have come out for the Sunbelt Conference teams. For Funbelt Podcast, it's Dusty Thibodeau, Walker Report, or Jeremy Harper at HalRazor.com, or Shane Metlin at the Daily News Record. Guys, how many oars were on your depth chart? <laughs> I, I don't, there were three on the Arkansas State one, but they were all for the running back. And it was, it was only made because all three would go to be seeing rotations. JMU had some quarterback issues, or quarterback oars, right? They did. There were <laughs> two oars between three names. That's how but, it works, right? But then Signetti, he didn't want to he didn't he didn't want to hold on to that, right? He cleared up the air, right? Yeah, he, he straightened that out more or less within hours of putting it out. Sort of surprisingly. <laughs> like I said, when when you think he's gonna zig, he zags. He says he says on Monday that he won't announce a starter until an hour before kickoff, uh-huh. and then and then on Tuesday night he says Alonzo Barnett has pulled away, and that if if the game started in an hour, uh, Jordan McLeod would be the backup. That's what he said. So, yeah. so he didn't. He maybe didn't uh, officially announce a starter, but that's that's about as good as you're going to get from the man who who didn't even announce Todd Santeo last year when he was miles ahead of every other guy on the roster. I'm telling you, this is the trademark of Signetti is to put you off balance to, 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 like you said, he zigs when you want to zag, you just cannot pinpoint Signetti. And that's, that's why he's so good. You just don't know what's on his mind, but speaking of not knowing what's on his mind, what is going on at Texas state and or happy G.J. Uh, Kenny. Yeah, I, I think Kev Tordillo summed it up best that there were 37 or 39 oars yeah. on the depth chart. I don't know if that's a I just don't know type of oar, or is that a I don't want to tip my hand to Baylor oar, or are there just that many question marks? Yeah, is Baylor really looking at that depth chart going, oh, my, oh we've learned nothing from this. We're in trouble. Or I don't know. I kind of wonder if it makes a little sense for Texas State oh, in this okay. case. Like, I mean, it's all new. There's so many new guys. There's, I mean, there's nothing to go on from them from last year, really. So why tip your hand to Baylor when you're the underdog and you don't have really anything to lose and you can kind of, like, play some games? Here's my problem with, with that many wars. Like, Butch Jones, he, he was a little more happy last season, and it was aggravated. To me, what it says is I don't have confidence enough in my players to make a definitive decision on who are my 11 guys. That's just saying to say, well, everybody's going to have some playing time and everybody's going to contribute is fine if you're in Little League. But this is college football now, and you've got to be able to say, these are the people I depend on. These are the guys I'm relying on, and I am showing my confidence in them. 
by naming them the starters. I think I it's more of a head, head game that you don't want to tip your hand to the opponent more than anything. I don't think it's a slap in the face or anything like that. I think it's that you you have to try to find any advantage you can when you're at Texas State going up against the Big 12 or Pac-4 or whatever they are today's Baylor team. you got to come up with whatever edge you can to make it even harder for them to scout, for them to uh, game plan around what you're going to be doing and what your personnel is like. I can see that for the quarterback, all right, because that's the most important position on the team. And you've got a couple quarterbacks that play it a couple different ways. I get that. I don't know if I need that sort of centrifuge for who's starting at, I don't know, left guard. I don't need that. Nobody needs that. And like Shane said, this is a whole new Texas State team. It's not like they have files and files of game footage on each of these players that they can go, oh, wait, they're going to have this guy here. I better go ahead and bone up on that guy. It's just, it's just, there's no centrifuge. If there's the, if the mystery is, 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 is the same for every player, except for the quarterback. I get the oars for quarterback. I don't get the oars for the other, what, 38 positions that they put out there. I don't know. At the very least, maybe you're making some uh, poor grad assistant track down film from a bunch of different places where these guys transferred in, like as opposed to like saying, "Okay, here's two guys that might play." Maybe there's you're get, probably getting a lot of FaceTime footage from Incarnate Work. <laughs> that, that's true. <laughs> and some stuff. I don't know. I that I, I get what you're saying, Tibbs, about the you know about the competitive advantage and all. I just as a fan. And definitely as a non-credentialed football writer, it does frustrate me when I can't get a, a starting lineup before the game. I, I really just want to know who's going to play. I don't I don't think that when it comes down to it, I don't think the coaches really care what the fans want. They want to win the games, and they want to do whatever. And, and I think you're right. I think it's really more burdensome on those GAs, the assistant coaches, the analysts, whatever else you want to call them, when they're putting that ESPN Plus subscription, uh, pushing it to the limits there as they're downloading film and, and re-watching old games between Blue Bluefield State and uh, you know Mississippi Valley State. That, that's where they earn their money and where they make their marks is being able to find those scouting reports. But with that said, we have actual games this week, guys. What more oh, could we want? How long have we wait for this day? A year. Seems like it's been so long. It has. So, to bring back our uh -huh. old feature. Yes. Second and short to preview the opening week for Sunbelt Conference action. Second and short. Okay, you remember how this works, guys, right? We go down no. the. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down again. Just not for you guys, because I know secretly you know it's for our viewer or our viewers, our listeners, right? They 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 probably forgot how second and short works. Second and short simple. We try to keep the discussion around two minutes. I used to time it, but you know now the clock's in my head. It's just too big of a pain in the ass to time. But I know what two minutes is. I'm gonna keep it that way. I run it down. I introduce the games. If it's an East game, Shane leads. If it's a West game, Tibbs leads. So do we got the rules? Have we figured it out? We no did. idea. 
I don't know if I believe you that you have an internal clock in your head, but we'll we'll go with that. Just pretend that I do. Thursday, October, August 31st. First game of the season. Rhode Island, Georgia State, 6 p.m. ESPN+. Plus. No spread given because it is a FCS-FBS game. Don't always get the spreads on those games. Panthers have not hosted an FCS opponent in three years. Shane Metlin, what are we going to see out of this game? Are we going to see anything? We're going to see lots of touchdowns from Darren Granger, a couple through the air, a couple on the ground. And Georgia State's going to roll, and we still won't know much about what to expect from them in the Sun Belt after this week. Do you agree with that, Tibbs? Is that what we're going to see? Yeah, th- this will be their first time to actually pick up a season opening win since what the 2019 season, I believe it is. They're going to. But that 2019 win was the big upset at Tennessee. Oh, okay. Also, the last time they did play an FCS team was Furman in week two of that that season where they squeaked past Furman 48-42. I think it's a lot closer than you think. I don't think that uh, Sean Elliott tips his hand too much. I do think Darren Granger has a solid game. I think the Panthers do enough to win, but I agree with Shane that we still don't know what the Panthers are or not after this week. Maybe getting a season opening win is big because we've talked so many times about how Georgia State tends to not really get going until October, and sometimes it's too late for them. So maybe they need this momentum in week one to uh, to jumpstart things. Absolutely. Coach Elliott really needs that win to set that momentum right away. But here's a warning sign. Rhode Island is no pushover. 7-4 and four in the sturdy CAA last season. So I guess we'll just have to see. You know, that, that that I'm not saying that's right for an upset. I'm just saying Rhode Island is no patsy. September 2nd, Saturday, the first game of the Saturday. It actually opens up right after uh, college game day. On ESPN, Arkansas State at number 20, Oklahoma. Right now, the Sooners are a 35-point favorite. Shane, not Shane, I'm sorry. I'm already ruining the two-minute room. Tibbs, what do you see? Do you see Arkansas State having a, a chance in hell at giving number 20, Oklahoma, a run for their money. Up until the coin flip is in the air, and then it's all Sooners from there. I, I mean, I think Arkansas State, these games early on, look, it's all about getting that check, paying the bills, and, and really just trying to see what your guys do in, in a competition uh, against somebody that's not a scout teamer. I, I, I think that they could pull off this upset, but I just don't see it happening, having been to Oklahoma those are some weird finicky fans, though, that if Arkansas State can have any kind of early success, um, you know, they'll definitely have the the stadium to themselves and, and, and no one will be there to witness it. Uh, Brent Venables will not be a popular guy. Shane, you agree? More or less. I mean, I think you agree with me, Jeremy, that Oklahoma is overrated at number 20 in the country. They didn't really do anything in the offseason to make us think they're going to turn it around that drastically. So maybe 36-point spread, I might be thinking more along the lines of 21. Mm-hmm. Arkansas State kind of stays with a couple touchdowns a lot of the time, but you know can't really, uh, can't really get over the hump. But yeah, I'm not expecting an Arkansas State win, but I think they could maybe 
look decent. Yeah, I think there's a decent chance of looking decent. I will say this, that that, that Oklahoma defense came in 122nd last year in total defense. They brought in about seven transfers to shore it up. You, you know, transfers are like, they, they might be good, they might not be good, you don't know. You know, Brent Venable's supposed to be this master tactician at defense, something's going on. I, I, I feel like there's probably more pressure on Venables than it is on, on anyone else in that stadium. That being said, I think Arkansas State has a good chance of beating the Spurs. Next game on the slate doesn't happen until 2.30 p.m. on ESPN+. Gardner-Webb at Appalachian State. Again, one of these games where we might not learn too much. We did know that, that what was it, Wally Berger? Is that his name? Is the new starting quarterback? at Appalachian State. Maybe we'll see something from him. Shane, what you got? Like like he said, I don't know if we'll see too much. I think we kind of want to see what um, what the new coaching staff additions bring to the table, what they've changed uh, schematically to try to improve off last year. Um, but it's the it's the tune-up game for Appalachian State. They're they're working in new quarterbacks, some new new things and yeah, similar to what we said about Georgia State. I'm not sure we learn a ton about the Mountaineers in week one. Yeah, so, uh, so Tibbs, you know, the, the Mountaineers coming off that gravely disappointing 6-6 six and six season. You know, they get Gardner-Webb. Are they going to use it as a, hey, let's beat these guys down game, or is it going to be a fine-tuned game? In the words of Lee Corso, not so fast. Remember, <laughs> this is the same Gardner-Webb team. Uh-huh. that Coastal Carolina struggled to beat last year. 31-27 was the final there with Coastal Carolina pulling it out late. They also squeaked out a near miss against Liberty, 21-20, and a near miss against Marshall, 28-7. This is not a pushover team. And with a lot of questions about that App State Mountaineer team coming in, I think this is going to be closer than people think. I think I think App State wins the game. Don't get me wrong, but it's going to be close, and and, and we're all going to be clenching our chest and uh, holding our breath a little bit closer uh, to the end of the game than what we probably should be. Ryan Berger has uh, has all the skill set. I remember Sean Clark at Media Day talking uh, big things about him, and that you know he was going to be the next great quarterback there for the Mountaineers. But uh, we got to see it on the field before we we fully buy in. Yeah, it's Ryan Berger, not Wally Berger, like I said. Ryan Berger, it's Berger time at Boone. And yeah, you're right, Tibbs. I have totally overlooked Gardner-Webb. I forgot how tough they were last year. I don't know if Appalachian State's an upset alert, but man, look out. Next game is at 5 No spread given because, once again, it's another FCS uh, matchup against an FBS team. Georgia Southern taking on the signal, 5 p.m. ESPN+. Plus. The first time we get a look at Davis Brin, who comes in from Tulsa, setting up uh, behind center where Kyle Van Trees set a bunch of records for Georgia Southern last year. Whoa, we're going to get the same type of Georgia Southern? We're going to get a different type of Georgia Southern, Shane? I think a similar type of Georgia Southern. I expect I expect the offense to do quite well in this one, um, you know, throwing the ball around. I do here, though, this is a little bit of a renewal of a rivalry from back in Georgia Southern's oh. FCS days. Uh, they played the Citadel a lot, and, uh, had some good matchups there. So maybe a little bit more fun than the typical uh, week one FCS tune-up, at least uh, at least for the fans there who maybe like um, 
can give it to their old friends from the Citadel. A little bit of history, a little bit of beef. You know, it'll be a good time to see running back Jalen White get some monster stats, though. What do you think? Are we going to see monster stats from Jalen White, Tibbs? I think it's all equals. This is a great old SoCon matchup, but this is just not going to be a fair fight. I think the Eagles, even a bad Eagles team, is is way too much for the Citadel, and they roll in this one, just like they did last year against Morgan State to open it up with the FCS team. It's another tune-up and a good glimpse to see what Clay Helton does in year two. Yeah, I predict blowout victory as well. Good for Georgia Southern starting the, day, uh, starting the week off right. You know, one reason I like getting the ODUs and the James Madisons in uh, in the uh, Sun Belt is that it sort of introduced the Sun Belt to a, a, a new group of uh, FCS teams, like these FCS kind of tune-up games. James Madison, 5 p.m., ESPN+, plus, no spread given, takes on Bucknell, which I don't know anything about Bucknell. But I think the Dukes are going to be pretty good. I think they're going to have that great offensive line. It's all going to uh, it's all going to depend on the the quarterback play and just how bitter and angry head coach uh, uh, Signetti is. But maybe you can give us some insight as to whether or not this game is going to give us some insight. Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record. Uh, not a ton. I mean, maybe uh, answer some of the questions about. Uh, the depth chart that we've had, uh, if it's accurate, what they put out, things like that. Um, we'll see Alonzo Barnett at quarterback for the first time, but you know, I don't expect, I don't expect JMU to open up the playbook very much, and I don't expect it to be a very close game. Bucknell coming out of the out of the Patriot League, where they don't even give the full allotment of FCS scholarships, let alone eighty-five FBS scholarships. It, it'll be kind of tough. For, Shame on the Dukes then for bringing those guys in. Hey, is this game going to be even worth watching, Tibbs? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I'll, I'll say it just so that somebody's cheering for them. Go Buffalo. But uh, okay. other than that, it's all Signetti, all Dukes, all the time. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah, so if you're catching this on ESPN uh, Plus, it's it's going to be mostly a, a two and a half, three hour infomercial for James Madison, it's got to be right. So I predict methodical victory. I think we all predict methodical victory. Another FCS Sunbelt matchup, 5 p.m. ESPN Plus, no spread given. It was another team that I'm not familiar with simply because, you know, this comes from just a different part of the world than Sunbelt has been playing in a while. Marshall at Albany at Marshall. Don't know anything about Albany. I know Albany was a character in uh in uh in uh oh god in a Shakespeare play. <laughs> so I forget the name of the play. I'm an English major. I've read it. I love it. Can't even remember the name of it. That's how bad this game might be. We might see a little bit whether or not Cam Francher is the guy behind center that's going to lead this team. Shane, what are we going to see from this game? Maybe you know something about Albany that I don't. I mean, they're an old CAA foe of uh, James Madison as well, but um, yeah, not not expecting uh, to be very close. Although, like you, like was mentioned before, Gardner Webb mm. gave the Thundering Herd a little bit more than they wanted last year. But I think I think uh, the Joan will be rocking for the opener. The new video board, 
uh, fans excited to get the season started. I don't think Albany's going to give uh, give Marshall too many problems. The Duke of Albany, by the way, a character in King Lear, suddenly uh, comes to mind. I don't know. It just slipped my mind. I'm getting older. I don't remember my Shakespeare as well as I used to. Tibbs, are you going to even turn this game on? Or are you just going to wait for the stat tracker to show up on ESPN? How could you not watch the Great Danes of Albany? <laughs> I, look, I don't know. Look, the Great Danes already have a win under the belt, having played in Week Zero, a 34-13 win over Fordham. So they'll have a little bit more of their identity in hand than maybe Marshall will. However, in Week Three, Albany's headed to Hawaii. You wow. got to think that these kids are already stretched thin and, and looking forward to being on the Big Island for <laughs> that game. Ironically, it's the first of three straight road trips that the Great Danes are going to have going to Marshall, to Hawaii, and then to Morgan State before they kick off their CAA action. I think it's just too much. And of course, Marshall with too much talent on there. But it'll be interesting to, to kind of see how much of a fight they, they put up in this game and how well they know themselves after after already having a game under their belt. Yeah, you know, if Cam Francher is, is sort of fine-tuning whatever bugs he has in his office, in his offense, he'll at least have Rasheen Ali toting that rock. So we're pretty sure we're going to see plenty of stats from him. Finally, we get to a pretty big game, guys. 6 p.m. on the NFL Network. Army at ULM. The Black Knights, nine and a half point favorites at the time of the writing that I did this. Army loves two things, guys. They love scheduling Sunbell opponents, and they love making their week one opponents look like absolute fools. Are we going to see a little bit of that against ULM, or is ULM going to be ready for them, Tibbs? I think a little bit of both. I, I think that ULM has a lot of question marks there on the defensive side, whether or not those outside defensive ends have kind of stepped up their game and have the speed necessary for DC Vic Conan's uh, Warhawk defense to be effective and get more pressure in the backfield. But at the same time, this is an Army team that, as as we saw in a couple episodes back when we had our preview with uh, GoBlackKnights.com, Joe, they don't really know what to expect either. With the offense shifting, yeah. different personnel coming in, a new quarterback, I think that they're going to be just as lost, really, as the Warhawks. Only the Warhawks have a solid offensive uh, game plan and offensive staff that they might be able to more so beat Army than necessarily, uh, or, or should I say, put up more points to beat them than just beat Army. Yeah, that's a good point. So Monica is reportedly ditching that flex bone triple option. Everybody's going to be confused on that field. For Army, at least. This might be Terry Bowden, the crafty Terry Bowden's chance to rally his team together. Say, hey, we know our stuff. Let's go show these guys from Army how you play football. Shane, what do you, what's your analysis out there from the fancy East Coast? I mean, I can't add too much more to uh, the analysis of the game itself, but I'll add to what you mentioned about Army playing Sunbelt teams. I happened to look at their future schedule today for some reason, and they've got also coming up in future years, Old Dominion, Texas State, I think South Alabama. Like, they're... They are basically an honorary Sunbelt team. It, it's it's wild. I know they're an independent and they've got a schedule a bit of everybody, but uh, they definitely seem to uh, enjoy the Sunbelt matchups. 
we can find a way to pull West Point into the Sun Belt. I'd, I'd be all for that. Just bring them in, get that army enthusiasm in the Sun Belt. I know it's a little long way. I don't care. Footprint doesn't matter anymore. Bring in the, the U.S. Army. Uh, you know, no what? vandals. <laughs> I know. No, okay. I predict a narrow loss for ULM, but you, I don't know, Tim's. You got me thinking. Maybe not. Here's a game I swear to God, guys, happens every year for the last 100 years now. Texas State at Baylor, 6 p.m. on the Big 12 Network and the SPM Bluffs. You got your choice. Right now, the the prognosticators in Vegas give the Bears a 26 and a half point edge. Lots of energy coming out of San Marcos behind GJ and his, his word cats. Everybody seems to really like this new coaching staff. They like where the, the, the team is headed. Do they have the moxie to do anything against the Bears this time? I'll, I'll throw Maybe. it to you. I'm Maybe. going to get to the Yeah, okay. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it's all Maybe. about Be, that. Because... But you don't as, have a <laughs> Right. I mean, the, the depth chart is full of ores. Uh -huh. So is that a indication of us not knowing maybe that head game of, hey, maybe it's this guy or that guy and, and, and trying to play that game to throw off Baylor? Or does GJ just not know his team well enough and not comfortable enough to name starters at the different positions? So to me, this is the biggest wild card game that we have of the weekend because I don't know what to, what to think of Texas State. Yeah. Imagine GJ coming out with a big win. That would be awesome for the program. I don't know if they've got that going for them. Uh, Shane, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I don't know what they'll do. I don't know if I expect this, but this game does remind me a little bit of Georgia Southern going to Nebraska last year when we were all, mm -hmm. Georgia Southern is going to take some time to like rebuild and put oh, in a whole new system everything and new guys new coaches oh, new system you're right maybe texas state is the georgia southern this year maybe they're turning it around quicker than we think because it is completely all new and you can do that faster than you used to maybe they will have the same kind of signature power five win that georgia southern got early last year oh that would be so poetic coming full circle that would be absolutely great by the way coach oars are for robo uh, rowboats they aren't for two deeps next game also at 6 p.m but no spread given because it's also another fcs we we call them tune-ups they're also potentials for for trip-ups southern miss alcorn state i don't know a lot about alcorn state southern miss has announced that Clemson tra transfer. Billy Wiles will start at QB, which uh, you know he's he's a guy that I guess recruited by Clemson, so has some has some talent. Only has thrown about ten passes in his entire college career. So, <laughs> or actually, he's made of all all of four pass attempts in his college career. Four pass attempts. He'll probably blow past that in this game. Tips, what do you see us learning from the Southern Miss Alcorn State game? I think it's a bigger question on the defensive side 
and whether or not you can execute. They have the talent. They've already won the game even before it kicks off. But it's a matter of, of how do they look? Do they play a little sloppy, a little loose? Or are they actually focused and ready to go? Knowing that in week two, they have a trip to Florida State where they got to definitely bring their A game. I think this is really another practice that they need to stay focused in to showcase what they have and really allow head coach Will Hall to know what his roster is, what his strengths are, and what they need to work on moving forward in the season. Yeah, this might be a game where Billy Wiles gets comfortable and Frank Gore Jr. pads some stats. What do you think, Shane? Yeah, I'm with you. It's just, I mean, this is the game for Billy Wiles to take some snaps and play and <laughs> become, you know, like you said, it's a guy who might have some talent. It's the game where he becomes a guy who's played a college game and started a college game and uh, won that Southern Mission win pretty easily and not a ton of pressure, but I think it's going to be good experience for Southern Miss to finally, finally, hopefully have a little bit of stability at the quarterback position. Yeah, I see the Golden Eagles coming away with a crisp win. So another no spread given game, but a game that I feel, guys, might be the biggest shot at FCS upsetting a a very good Sunbelt team. Stephen F. Austin at Troy, 6 p.m. ESPN+. Gunnar Watson, he throws a lot of touchdowns, but he throws a lot of picks, too. Lumberjacks are a goodish program. They've had their they had their they had their moments. They're 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 not pushovers. This isn't a body bag game. In fact, it's a body bag game where we might see a surprise corpse in the end. Am I thinking too much of Stephen F. Austin Thibodeau? They're in that weird whack for some things, united for others. <laughs> I don't know if they're D1 or not. I don't really care if they're D1 or not, uh, or FBS, whatever you want to call them this week. I still don't think that uh, the Lumberjacks are legit team and contenders against Troy. Troy rolls in this one. I mean, it's DeMarcus Ware Day where they're retiring the 94. Mm. It's the, the season opener. There's too much on the line. Some are all wanting to raise the banner of last year's Sunbelt Conference Championship. No way the Lumberjacks go in there. All, all Troy all the time. Yeah, you, you're probably right. Troy's not going to screw up in front of Marcus Wicker. You think that's true, Shane? I think that, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin might be a solid FCS team, and maybe they can compete for a little bit. But uh, Troy's, Troy's the defending champs for a reason. They're the kind of team that can, you know, grind out this type of game, even if they get their best, even if they get Stephen F. Austin's best. They've got the defense. They've got the running back. They can they can control what they need to control to get a victory, even even if it's a little more hard fought than might be expected. Another no spread given game, but it's kind of game that I think Tibbs likes. Louisiana Northwestern State, six thirty p.m. on ESPN Plus. You know when we talked to Mike Dejormo, 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 Coach Mike, when we talked to Coach Mike, he found that he was going to coach more his way in 2023. And Northwestern is probably a good team to test your way on. Am I correct in that, Thibodeau? Yes, but even as he pointed out in the weekly media availability there through the conference, you know, this is a a regional school where Mm -hmm. these guys grew up together. They have 
kind of that chip on the shoulder that, hey, you got to go play FBS ball while I'm in the FCS. Hey, I'm better than you, and I'm going to show you that I should be at an FBS school and not at this FCS school. The Demons are no pushover, especially when it comes to the in-state games. So I think it's close. I think the Cajuns get the win, but it might be a lot uglier uh, than, than what we're all giving them credit for. I knew this would be a game you'd like. You love these kind of games. Shane, are you going to watch this game? I don't know if I'll watch this game because I'll still <laughs> I'll still be finishing up my work on another game at this time. But you know, I'll check the score, see if it's worth okay. if it's worth checking in on as it gets to the second half. But um, yeah, I agree with what Tib says. Sometimes these in-state games get a little weird, but. I'm not expecting an upset or anything like that. Yeah, I, I'm kind of expecting an uninspiring, unrevealing victory for Louisiana and, and Mike kind of using this game to propel himself and his team forward on a positive note. I tell you what, though, this next game is my O'Doul's Maintain Your Edge game of the week, guys. South Alabama at number 24 Tulane. 7 p.m. on ESPN. Right now, the Green Wave's given a seven-point advantage. I honestly believe that South Alabama's going to be a better team. I think they just have too much defense, too much Carter Bradley, too much governor. Uh, Tulane's got that great quarterback in Michael Pratt, but they lost a lot of guys. I, I'm just going to throw it to you, Tibbs. What do you see happening here, man? All Jags all the time. I, I think it's a hard-fought game, but I definitely think the Jags have the components to uh, come out. I think the one concern that I would have is the depth of Ooh. what exactly do they have because we know it's going to be outside in New Orleans, in the heat, humidity, at night, in the craziness. How deep is South Alabama? And I think that's the one question mark that they do have coming into the season. We know the starters are, are all Americans and, and all everything. But sure. it's what is behind there. And who's who's behind Carter Bradley in case something happens to him? Well, we know it's Desmond Trotter. We, we saw that he had some good snaps last year. But what does he look like running with this particular offense this year? I think is the question that we really have to see. But I think it's Jags getting a huge win over the wave. Thibodeau with a two-deep analysis of South Alabama. Shane, is it going to come down to who can last in that sweltering heat better? Uh, perhaps. I mean, I don't know if the climate's a whole lot different in Mobile than it is in New Orleans. But, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I, I get what Tim is saying there. Um, to me, it's just the most interesting game on the slate this week for the Sun Belt. I mean, it's the team we think is probably the best in the Sun Belt against the team we think is probably the best in the American and we want to know how these conferences stack up against each other. This is going to be something that gets pointed to down the line when we're arguing about who should go to what bowl game and who should be ranked where. And I just can't wait to see it. I mean, it's one I've got to try to check out. You know, you ask me if I'm going to watch Louisiana, I will probably make more of an effort to watch this one. <laughs> well, I thought ESPN, it'll be easy to pick up. I tell you what, though, I, I, and it, tell, tell me if you guys think I'm wrong. Whoever wins this game gets to be ranked next week. Is that right? I mean, Tulane wins, they're going to be ranked. But I think South Alabama's got to be up there when that happens. Don't you think? If the voters are paying any attention, they've got to be. 
Yeah, and, and I think it also depends on what happens. I mean, if Arkansas State can pull off that upset against a lower-ranked Oklahoma, that definitely helps South Alabama make that jump up there. But I, I again, I don't think that the, the voters are really going to pay attention. Tulane was a fluke last year, at least in most people's eyes. So, oh, yeah, they were supposed to have lost to South Alabama this year. Okay, all right. Oh, all right. Here we are. We're on the ACC Network at 7 p.m. And we got Old Dominion versus what I think is not a very good Virginia uh, Virginia Tech Hokies team. Although the Hokies are picked to be a 15.5 favorite. The Monarchs are starting Grant Wilson. Uh, he's a guy who transferred from Fordham, and he has only passed 10 balls his entire college career. So he's a little bit like like Wiles out of South, uh, or Southern Miss. Kind of that same situation, a guy that doesn't have a lot of of experience, although he's coming out for them and not Clemson, so there's a little bit of, of eyebrow raising there. The Hokies aren't good. OD, ODU is probably less good. Does Old Dominion have a chance in this game? Shane Metlin of the Daily News record. Uh, I'm. If they hadn't beaten this Hokies team last year, I wouldn't think so at all. But they and it was a great game. Yeah, but I mean. Yeah, Old Dominion was not a very good team last year. Virginia Tech was also not a very good team last year. Um, I don't expect Virginia Tech to be great this year, but I think maybe they've made some uh, improvements where um, Old Dominion possibly hasn't, including, you know, uh, taking ODU's best receiver from last year who went off on Texas or no Texas Tech uh, Virginia Tech last year um, yeah. that's probably you know a pretty big swing in momentum towards the Hokies just right there uh, see what Ollie Jennings does yeah and, Ollie, go ahead I'm sorry and you know is that the only factor but I I don't know but I think it's a big one and playing in Lane Stadium as opposed to playing in Norfolk is also going to be but probably a difference maker. I'd be surprised if they can pull off another upset. ODU. Shane has identified all the obstacles, and they're all very real. You know, but, uh, I'm sure the Hobies want revenge, right? They want revenge, but there is something that seems to clinch up a little bit in the uh, maroon and orange whenever they uh, have to face <laughs> face these monarchs. Absolutely. So, Tim. This is, a, this, is a, this is a game that's going on when the O'Doul's Maintain Your Edge game of the week is going on. South Alabama at Tulane. Are you going to be keeping an eye on Old Dominion and Virginia Tech? Or are you just going to just pretty much be like, I don't know if we're going to learn anything from this game. I don't think we learn anything from this game. I, I think that it's definitely a highlight package watch. Uh, I mean, tickets are only 15 bucks going right now, so I don't think anybody really wants to watch this game. I don't... I, I got to think Virginia Tech has the edge more so that it's at home than anything else, but this is going to be a uh, ugly, and in the words of the ESPN bottom 10 pillow fight of the week, this is probably it. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is one of the least appetizing games, in my opinion. Last game of the night. Like, it's going to be a most, long <laughs> The most appetizing game of the week. You think? Okay. All right. I, I, I think there's a lot of promise in this game. But I tell you, it's going to be a long day, fellas. I mean, it's, it starts at 11 a.m. with Arkansas State, ends at 9.30 p.m. for a West Coast game, Coast, Coastal Carolina 
UCLA on ESPN, the flagship station. Bruins are a 14 and a half point favorite, but I don't know. Coastal Carolina, that's a, Coastal Carolina could really get up for this team for new co- head coach Tim Beck. I don't know much about UCLA. I just don't feel like that they're like a team that has historically has risen up to expectations. I will say this. Sunbelt is a perfect zero for 30 against the Pac-12. It's like a little bit embarrassing. Does Coastal break that 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 curse, Shane? I don't know. I think it's gonna be a competitive game. I'm not as high on Coastal as some people are, but I think back to South Alabama. They should have broken that streak against uh, mm. the Pac-12 against this very UCLA team last year. So I, I think uh, I think you know I don't think just because they're technically a Power Five team that that uh, that means Coastal can't win this game. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, some people around the country wake up on Sunday morning having not watched this and find out that those uh, mullet guys from Myrtle Beach did it again. Like, but but I, I'm just not I'm not overly optimistic about what Coastal has this year to begin with. But UCLA is a weird place to play. It's possible that there's nobody there. You know? Yeah. like We've seen these early season games where there's just nobody at UCLA. So it'll be interesting to see what, what the turnout really is with uh, everything about the Pac-12 kind of falling apart and their fans not being excited about the Big Ten and everything else. Who, who knows what's going to be the atmosphere like there. You know, I, I don't know what to expect out of Coastal Shade. You're right about that. Uh, I'm not very high on Coastal as a team. I am high on Grayson McCall. This is this is a game that he could really, like, the cherry on top of his resume. You're going to be watching this game, right, Tibbs? I mean, after the, the big O'Doul's game of the week, you're going to check in on Coastal UCLA. Am I right? For sure. UCLA picked sixth in the preseason media poll for the Big 12 at the time. I think that they lost a lot from last year, and I think that they have some several question marks. I don't think that they're really prepared for Coastal Carolina, so they could be very well overlooking this game. I think this is the quote-unquote Super Bowl, so to say, of the Shants that could give them the edge to really kick off this season and showcase that they are more than the mullets. They are more than the stashes. They are more than Jamie Chadwell. So I think this is their circled game, and the Sun Belt gets that win over the Pac-12. I want to congratulate you, gentlemen. You have successfully completed. (laughs) It's a second and short. It is second (laughs) and short. We have completed second and short, which was a long second and short because these these first few weeks it's always yeah. like fourteen games. Fourteen games, it's true. <laughs> oh, well. congratulations, guys! Well done, excellent analysis. But you know what? This that that leaves time for Shane and Tibbs. It's time for plugs, promos, and parting shots. And I'm going to make Shane go first. Oh, it's tough because. Uh... You know, I'm still wearing the same clothes I wore last time we recorded. It's been rough, rough couple of days. Uh, but no, 
Uh, you know, I'll just do a I'll just do a simple plug because okay. the season's here. You're going to want to read coverage. And howlraiser.com is a great place to read it. Warhawk Report is a great place to read it. Yeah. But I need you to read it on dnronline.com uh, slash sports and read read all the football stuff you want to want to consume. Especially if you're a JMU fan, there's going to be plenty there. But all of the Sun Belt, you can find what you want from the Daily News record. Now, if I read the Daily News record, am I going to get analysis from Noah Fleischman? Quite possibly. Okay. That that makes even a like an online subscription worth it. His ana- analysis, his insight, top notch. Love Noah Fleischman. Tips, promos, plug, parting shot. The floor is yours. Parting shot. We're finally here. Week yeah. one of Sunbelt Conference action. Excited to get out there and start seeing games. Encourage everybody to go out, support their local teams, their favorite teams. Get the merch. Get the gear, drink a beer, watch your team, watch someone else's team. You can cheer for them until we start getting into the rivalry weeks later on in the season. But for now, kumbaya, we're all one big happy family. I can agree more with you on that. When it's this time of year, I root for Sunbelt across the board. Even if it's like a team that historically I can't stand. I always root for the upsets. I hope we see some upsets. My my plug promo parting shot, I do have a plug. Visit Howlraiser, where I have taken the time to break down all 14 of these damn games. A little paragraph on each. A little bit of useful information. And then a little prediction. So check it out, Howlraiser.com. Sunbelt Heat Week 1. Read the analysis. I, I, I predict that I get it all right. I, I feel like I got my fingers on the pulse of this. And guys, that's it. Football season's here. Time to get to work. Let's do it again next week.